Every day we choose to bath, eat, breathe, and whatever else we humans do, we choose life over death. Every minute we spend nursing our burns, dressing our wounds, and putting a halt to our bleeding, we choose life, whereas we could let our burns and wounds fester. Or watch ourselves bleed to death. That's X's unrecorded minuscule contribution to the field of philosophy that pertains matters of life and death. He believes that dying is as much a choice as living. If we can choose to cling to life, then we can certainly choose to give in to death. The tricky part is the how of it. How does one die at one's will? And he believes he's figured a great way to solve the problem. It's a unique, peculiar, way of solving the problem of dying. He's availed himself to lend a helping hand to those who need saving from the burden of living. Those whose lives have turned sour, unbearable. X watches his rival in the ring closely. His rival charges at him, he ducks down, and his rival's knife slashes the air. He shakes his head, seeing fury but not much fear in his rival's eyes. Then he asks himself, does this guy want to live or die? A clamor arises from the spectators. The audience covers almost every inch of the floor in this small auditorium, this small movie theater. Others stand on the passageway, first comers took all the best seats. His rival recovers from the miss. He turns around, mouth agape, vest drenched in sweat. He breathes heavily, glaring at X with bloodshot eyes. X does not move his ground. He only beckons his rival with fingers clutching his knife. Come on, man, X shuts, give me a fight. His rival charges again and blunders into the ropes as X ducks down again without a change of his defensive technique. There's no need for it. His rival's attack is as effortless as the first one, if anything, increments in his rage. No technique at all. X concludes, there's no fight left in him. He's outraged because it's taking longer to rescue him from his demons. He has no will to live. So be it. He waits for his rival to wheel around and face him. And he assails right away, attacking for the first time since the bell rang. He hurls his right arm up, and his rival's left arm shoots up, ready to block. However, swiftly, his hand slides down to the other side of his rival's body. And, as it sweeps back up, the blade eats at his rival's flesh, right above his rival's nipple. His rival groans, drops his knife, pressing a hand over the dripping wound, his teeth clenched. Then X flings his arm and slashes his rival's throat. Blood spurts and the opening gurgles. And, as the final attack, he plunges his blade into his rival's heart. Then it holds him with his left hand, easing him to the floor. He slips his hand from underneath his rival's weight. His rival's heart has long stopped beating. He kneels beside his rival, and whispers. You're in a better place now. Rest. Then he slides his bloody fingers over his rival's eyes, pulling them shut. He pulls out his blood-dripping knife from his rival's heart. He stands and scans the auditorium. Spectators cheer him up, whistling, shouting, clapping. The clamor of shouts and cheers is deafening. They're pleased, the spectators. Surely this entertainment was worth the price for the entrance ticket, which was our 200. The gurgling and spurting of blood brought about catharsis to the majority. Not something they'd readily do, taking another life, but, something that brings them delight. It's entertaining, orgasmic. X does not look in the least amused nor cheerful about his victory. Instead, there's a scowl on his face. He mounts over the ropes and jumps down on the other side of the ring. He strides towards the promoter's table in the front row, his knife clutched in his palm. Emmanuel Shilowa, the knife club promoter, cowers, leaning back on his chair as X halts before him. Never, ever, ever again should you insult me by putting me in the ring with an amateur like that one, you understand? The promoter nods repeatedly, yes, yes, yes. He's got the message, his body quivering. You do that again, 
Dash X lifts his knife and slides it across his own throat, you'll be counted a dead man. Mark my word. Now there's grave silence in the auditorium. X turns around and lifts his hands high above his head. Come on now everybody, why be so bitter? We won, remember? The clamor rises once again. X beams, his face awash with delight. He marches out of the auditorium, the audience making way for him. Others reach out to touch him. The champion, their hero for the night. As for the other guy, they'll wrap his body in a black plastic bag. They'll place him on a stretcher and will him out the auditorium. They'll drive his corpse and deposit it on a shallow, unmarked grave. There's always an awaiting hole in the graveyards on the corner of Coatsia and Mohol streets. A couple of hundred meters from the auditorium. They'll report him as missing. His family will wait, hoping for his return home. After some time, they'll give up and consider him dead. Then they'll mourn his alleged death, for whatever period seems fit. And move on with their lives. His only chance is for his pale white face to be engraved in the memory of one or two strangers who witnessed his death. And if they do, they'll remember him wearing a red tie, natural, misbehaving. X scrubs caked blood stains with his nails in the bathroom. Then changes to his regular apparel, a pair of Levi's jeans, all-star, black tracksuit and a gold necklace. He slings a backpack on his shoulder and swaggers out into the moonlighted street. There are pulls at regular intervals on the pavement, but the streetlights are dysfunctional. Nothing unusual in Joburg townships. Spectators, spilling out of the theater, greet, nod, and congratulate him on his glorious victory. They had their money on him, they say. I'm honored, thanks, he says, bowing and pressing his palms together. On top of the entrance it's written in huge bold letters, Raw Pictures Movie Theater. It actually is a regular movie theater, open to the public during legal opening hours. The only difference is that the screen is off. There's a boxing ring in front and real-life opponents get to shed sweat and blood. Real live action. No stunt doubles, reporting to the big screen as our beloved movie stars. There is Zamo. She's leaning against his white golf velocity car. No smile on her face. She certainly didn't find taking someone else's life pleasing nor entertaining. He hesitates a moment, but he has no other option. He has to indulge her into confronting him, into letting him spill his truth and his beliefs. He unlocks the doors. They both clamber into the car without an exchange of a word. He turns the key and the engine catches. Headlights illuminate the graffiti on the red brick theater wall. He reverses and they drive off in silence for 30 seconds or so before she bursts out. You killed him. He has a ready answer, I've had my fair share of trauma, Zamo, he says, glancing at her. He focuses on the road again. I think everybody has had, at least everyone in this knife fighting game. He swerves the car to the right of the traffic lights on the corner of Cynthia Jell and Mediba streets. I think we joined the knife club because we've had enough of life, you know, he goes on. And this is our way out. If anything, I gave him a way out. An easy way out. His soul is at rest now. He's found peace. Is that what you tell yourself to summon sleep at night? She says, glaring at him. I never thought I'd see a day you take someone else's life. You're a murderer, Kalani. Call me a murderer if you believe so. But, personally, I'd like to think of myself as a bridge, X says, maneuvering the road ahead. He's sincere with every word he speaks. Those who've had enough of life, bid goodbye to their loved ones. If possible, or just in their hearts. Then they wave goodbye at their demons, laughing at them. And, by stepping on the ring with me, they step on the bridge that will carry them from life to death. There is another word for me, a carrier. A messenger, a servant of death. A servant of death? Zamo says, turning her head sideways. Yes, Zamo. That's what I am.
The fuck you are? What's a servant of death even? You've been there my whole life, Zamo, X says. You know what I've been through. If anybody should understand why I do the things I do, why I'm the way I am, that person should be you. So yeah, I am a servant of death. The car indicates and turns to the left. You shouldn't have let me come here, Zamo says, looking out the window. You insisted on it, says X. And you should have stood your ground. That's what you always do with things I might not approve. A lonely tear trickles down to the corner of her mouth. She dabs at it with the back of her hand. For God's sake, Kolani, I'm a fucking cop. You were supposed to think about that. What do you suggest I do now, as a woman of law, after witnessing a cold-blooded murder? The car slows down and halts in front of her flat. Zamo alights, and, without another word, slams the door behind her. Excise. He runs a hand over his eyes and watches her clamber the staircase to her apartment on the third floor. The car speeds off once she's entered her apartment and locked the door and burglar gates.